Good morning, church. Good morning. All right, let's do a little better. Now. Good morning, church. Good morning. It's great to see everybody uh, here this morning, and we welcome not only the ones that are in this audience, but the, obviously our our other assembly that's going on, uh, guys in the uh, uh, fellowship center. Good morning. Uh, let's see if I can hear you across the way. I see a few waves anyway. You can't hear them, but I can see them right here on the screen. So. Uh, also, uh, obviously, our live stream uh, uh, folks, uh, welcome from uh, all over the world. You know, we have people that sign on from uh, 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 Africa, from Liberia. We have people from Nepal. We have people from India. It's amazing the number of people from live stream that are just uh, uh, watching and being a part of our church family. That's pretty exciting. Anthony, come on up. Anthony's going to uh, uh, share our scripture with us this morning as we start, okay? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Thank you. Hang on, hang on just a second. I want to have a... First of all, I want to, I want to thank uh, these young men and women who have been coming up reading their scriptures, and I want to have a prayer uh, over you and your families, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this young man. I ask that you bless him, bless his parents as they raise him. Thank you for families that are strong in the Lord, and may we raise up that next generation that will serve you boldly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate it. Acts chapter 4, turn in your Bibles. We, uh, I got a, a, a big task here because I'm dealing with uh, uh, chapter 4 and then we're skipping a little bit in chapter 5 because next week we have a guest speaker that's going to do chapter 5, uh, the story of Ananias and Fire, that section. Uh, by the way, it's Clay McConnell. And uh, so you can pray for him. Uh, as he preaches for us next week. I'm kind of excited about that. Y'all getting ready to listen to Clay? Yeah, Clay, look at there. People are ready for you, brother. And, uh, and so, but I'm, and I'm gonna do the last half of five today too. So I'm doing four and the last half of five. So it's a big chunk of scripture. But as we preach through the book of Acts, talking about this unstoppable, uh, journey or unstoppable adventure, um, we have to take some of it in, you know, pretty good sized hunks to get where we want to be. So I, I love, appreciate Alan so much sharing uh, out of chapter three and, uh, uh, last week and what that, uh, what that means to, to really watch the mighty work of God and, and God receive glory. And all of a sudden the church is just keeps building momentum. You know, Acts chapter one, we get the uh, guys that are waiting as, cause they're going to be witnesses. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. Acts two, that, that takes place. The church starts. 3,000 are baptized that day. Uh, Acts 3, you have the gospel preached, you have a healing take place, and then all of a sudden in Acts 4, you have some resistance. And when we talk about persecuted Christians, uh, a lot of times we tend to think about history, and there are some, obviously some terrible, terrible stories of persecution we could go back to. What we tend not to do is think that the church is being persecuted today. The church is being persecuted today. They're in countries uh, that we have people in, in Nepal and in India, uh, and then uh, 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 in Turkey and some other places where it's difficult. 
to, to, uh, to preach the gospel. Uh, we've had some of our folks in, in Egypt in jail over preaching the gospel. Uh, we've had, uh, in, in the past, we've had some of our world radio speakers that they got their places bombed because they were speaking the gospel. So this is still happening. Just because it's not happening in my life at this moment does not mean this is not happening around the world. So we always want to be conscious of the persecuted brothers and sisters. Okay? We want to be conscious of them. So in Acts 4, as the church has kind of, <coughs> excuse me, kind of picking up momentum, let's just do a little bit of read. Well, before we read, let's, let's talk about the characters of the chapter. You've got this uh, group of Sadducees and rulers of the temple, and then you've got the Pharisees. You know, Pharisees are all about rule keeping. Sadducees were kind of the liberal um, uh, uh, group of the religious sect there that kind of ruled everything. And so they don't like it. Because of what's going on. Now remember the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in angels. Uh, they, you know, they didn't, they didn't believe that in Jesus and what he had done. And yet guess what the message ends up being from the apostles? There's a resurrection from the dead. <laughs> Matter of fact, in the chapter five, there's going to be an angel deliver some guys out of jail. And there's some supernatural stuff happening. And so they're, they're really threatened. By this movement that's taking place of all these people coming to this thing called the way. This thing called Christianity. So, on top of that, Pharisees and Sadducees were the teachers. And now all of a sudden they see these apostles that are ordinary people filling the whole city full of teaching. Wait a minute, that's not your job, that's mine, you know. There's jealousy. They, they get disturbed over what's happening. They get jealous of what, to the point that finally they bring them and they throw them in jail. And they warn them like their warning could do something. They warn them, don't you speak anymore in the name of Jesus. They get out. They just go preaching again. They throw them in jail again. An angel delivers them. And finally they're to the point they want to kill them. But there's one guy in there that kind of keeps this from happening, Gamaliel. And then eventually they flog them. And where does it end in chapter 5? With, the, with them preaching and teaching in every house and not temple and uh, publicly that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's kind of the idea of the story here. Let's read a little bit. Chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> the priest and the captain of the temple guard and Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Now they are greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Two things. They're teaching. That ain't your job. It's mine. And they're teaching the resurrection of the dead. And they didn't believe in it. So they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. This thing's rolling. You throw them in jail, it's still rolling. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, uh, John, Alexander, and the other men of high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called into, uh, into account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. 
Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. All right, before we go further, let's, let's get this first thing right out of the way. There is no other name by which men can be saved. No other name. And, 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 and I hate it that in our culture we have, we have, we have included religion in this idea that somehow or another diversity ought to be, exist. Now I'm not talking about diversity of people. It's always, diversity has always existed within the church, right? Matter of fact, every, he says there's going to be every nation, every tongue, uh, uh, every race is going to be praising God. They're going to be gathered around the throne. Revelation, that's the picture. Matter of fact, in Acts 2, it's all these different languages are spoken and people are hearing them in their own way. It's, it's inclusive. But there's only one name by which you can be saved. The name of Jesus. There's no other name. So only one name. Someone said, Mike, but how do you preach that in a world that thinks, well, this, you have this way to heaven, you have this way to heaven. This. You preach it with love, you preach it with gentleness, you preach it with boldness, but you must preach it. Amen. We do not back off who Jesus is and what he's done. It's the heart of the gospel is that Jesus is God in the flesh. He was on the cross for our sins. He was raised. His body came out of the ground for us. He went back to heaven to help us. And one day he's coming again. And that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Right? That's the gospel. Now while they saw the courage in Peter and John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men, they said, these guys ain't been to seminary. These guys have their doctorate in theology. What are they doing up teaching people? They were astonished and took note. These men have been with Jesus. I would love for it to be said about people who work and teach and minister in our church. When someone looks out their life, someone says, hey, I don't know anything else, but they've been with Jesus. What a great thing to be said, right? But since they could see, since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody in Jerusalem knows they've done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking from what we have seen and heard. Now, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So they threatened them. They keep preaching. They threatened them again. Said, don't speak in this name. And they just keep preaching the gospel. So this thing's building because they don't like. They're disturbed. They're astonished. But they're getting mad. Have you ever seen someone that, you know, you know this progression, they get mad, then they get madder, and then they get madder and madder? You know what I'm talking about? You know, they just can't get rid. This is this group of folk. Now, don't punch your husband in the gut. I'm not saying he's like this. But, you know, some people, you know some people, right? It just gets rolling. They can't stop it. That's kind of how this group is. So... They get released, and when they're released, where do you go when you need encouragement? 
You go to the family of God. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, here's what they did. Here's their reaction to being insulted and in jail and told not to preach Jesus. Here's their reaction. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. A partnership of people and a partnership in praying to God and great things happen. So they pray, and they're praying, matter of fact, to have boldness. They're praying to have strength. And God brings about, matter of fact, so far that he shakes the building they're in. And they start speaking the word of God boldly, even more boldly than ever before. We need more prayer than protest. We need to depend upon the power of God, not the power of human beings. And it can't be my will from a human viewpoint, but his will be done. My prayer is God enable us to have the wisdom and the power to do what you want us to do as your church. And I am afraid that there's so such a temptation among churches in today's culture to be soft and easy in order not to be singled out as somehow or another having a bad spirit or being hated or those kind of things, that there's just almost an acceptance for anything. Look, we are all standing here saved only by the grace of God. Nobody's better than anybody else starting right here in the pulpit, right? We're all the same. But because we are saved by grace, we have a message that can help other people. And we cannot be afraid of our culture when we share that message. It doesn't matter what our, our government says. That's fine. Give the Lord a clap. It doesn't matter what our government says. We're going to preach the gospel. doesn't matter what people in authority say. We're going to preach the gospel. And we're going to preach it to everybody so that folks can get in on the same good news that we got in on. That's what this story is all about. And sometimes it brings a hard rub. Persecuted. Blessed are the persecuted. We don't seek persecution. But we don't avoid it by not preaching the name of Jesus either. So they pray. They have this great prayer time. Now, what's great about this, this family now is just tightened together even more. Matter of fact, to, to the point that their generosity is, is people in need that have, that, have, that have joined the movement, they're selling pieces of land, they're selling whatever they can because the, the generosity is born out of this partnership in the family. And I'm going to let Clay deal with that section in the first part of chapter 5. Now, flipping over to chapter 5, verse 17, we're going to see that this persecution kind of gets, keeps getting built. So in chapter 4, you see there's only one name. I want you to remember that. The second thing I want you to remember about chapter 4, you can lock up the messengers, but you cannot lock up the message. Got it? And the third thing is church prayer brings powerful results. That's the chapter 4. Let's look at chapter 5, verse 17. The high priest and all these associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were all filled with, here's another, they're disturbed earlier, then they're astonished, then they're mad, now they're jealous. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. 
I, I, I like that. I would, I would have liked to have watched that happen, you know. And I would have liked to have seen the Sadducee's face who didn't believe in angels. See this happen. So, go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. And at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. And when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. They said, we're going to have a meeting tomorrow morning. We got all, all the big wigs are gathered up. And now, and now go get those guys that are in jail. <laughs> but on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked, the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone said, uh, uh, came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. Uh, they, they did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to te- teach in his name, he said. Yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed. You. Now think about this. He tells them you had killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now when they heard this, they were furious. You see the anger just building in them? Now they're furious, and they wanted to put them to death. They wanted to kill them. Now there's this guy who shows up on the scene, Gamaliel. He's a Pharisee, so he basically talks them off the ledge. And says, guys, you, you don't have to kill them. This thing, if it's not of God, it won't, make, it won't make anyway. And if it is a God, you're just going to be fighting against God, and you know that ain't going to work. So let's just kind of back off and see what happens. That's kind of, that's that next section of Scripture. Verse 40, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name Day after day in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So in this chapter, you have, you have the disturbing group of people, this council, who gets to the point where they want to actually kill them. But since they back off that... They're just going to give them a good flogging or a good whipping to try to cause them not to teach in the name of Jesus. I've never been, I've been in some tough countries before and I've been in some situations, but I've never been persecuted for teaching the name of Jesus. 
you know, now, I've been insulted. I've been made fun of, those kinds of things. But I, I've, not, I've not like these. I've not been persecuted. I've not been thrown in jail because I preached the name of Jesus. And I praise God that I've had, had, had to live in a place where I can do that. And even the countries I've been to, I've been able to do that and, and not really have any serious results come in terms of persecution. <clears throat> you know, now I've had some uncomfortable situations. Uh, I did have something thrown at me one time. I was studying with a, 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 a lady, a me and another guy was studying with a lady at, in, in England, in London, England. We did a campaign there years ago. And we had this Bible study set up, and we're at her house, and she has a little kid, a little boy. And so, you know, one of you's teaching, the other one's kind of watching. It was his turn to teach, so I'm kind of sitting there with him. And I'm trying to keep the kid, you know, halfway quiet. You know how that is, right? And so uh, uh, he, they give him a cup of ice cream to keep him quiet. So he's eating a little bit, and then he looks at me, and he kind of squints his eyes, and he grabs his cup, he grabs his ice cream with his hand and throws it at me. I duck, and it hits on my shoulder, and of course it's running down, and his mom gets all over me. Get up there and clean up yourself. So he runs upstairs, changes clothes. We think he's going to go get cleaned up. Next thing I know, that little boy is running down that stairway, naked as a jaybird, out the front door and up the street. Now I'm chasing him up the street, trying to get, you know, I mean... Uh, uh, and I don't ever know what happened on the Bible study. I couldn't tell you. That's about as close as I've gotten. I had some ice cream thrown at me. But you know, I have a, I have a friend that we started a church in Kazakhstan years ago. Actually, this year is the 20 year, uh, anniversary of, uh, uh, when I was in Texas, I was planting a church in Kazakhstan, Almaty, Kazakhstan. And he converted a young woman whose grandfather was serious about not, her not becoming a Christian. He rode a train 20-something hours to meet that guy in that city. He brought a gun to kill him for converting his daughter. And Randy said, you can use it if you want to. I'm going to heaven, but if you want to know why this happened... Let me share with you. And he shares the gospel with him, and the guy goes off. And I, I don't know what happened years down the road, other than he softened and they mended the relationship between that girl and her grandfather. But he came ready to take the life of the one that had preached the gospel. But that didn't keep him from preaching the gospel. You know, we do a work, and many of you are familiar with our work in Athens. With all the refugees that come out of Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan, and there's just thousands of people there that we've done a work there uh, among the refugees, and we've converted several hundreds of people have been converted who came out of, uh, came out of Islam. And they never heard the, the name of Jesus, never learned the story, and now they've become Christians. But they can't go back. Uh, or it's divided families, and they actually suffer persecution in their part of the world which they live. I, I don't know what it's like, but I pray for those men and women all the time. I have been to Athens. I have visited with these people. I've heard their stories. And to, to know what people give up because of the gospel of Christ, that they give up everything just to find... This one called Jesus that they never heard about. When they hear about it, they're like, wow. Matter of fact, one of the stories I remember as we sat there talking with some of those refugees was 
one of them had had a uh, had a vision when he was in Iran. He had a vision of of uh, of this man on the mountaintop and how he was dressed and the glory that shone out of him. All this he had a dream about this. So when he gets over to Athens, he starts telling this story about this. And the Bible teacher sitting there amazed, and he's like, "Have you ever read the New Testament? No, I've never read. Have you ever have you ever read or heard of the Book of Revelation? No." He said, let me show you something. So he goes, turns to Revelation, he starts reading. You remember in the first part about the picture of Jesus and the, and the, 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 the glow that's coming off of him and the, the, the sword and all those kinds of things. It just paints a beautiful picture of who he is. And when he reads that, this guy says, that's him. That's who I saw. And he teaches him more about Christ and baptizes him into the kingdom of God. People come out of all kinds of situations. They lose their family. They can't go back. Some of them are under threat of death because they chose to follow Jesus Christ. I don't know that I can really get my mind around all the tough situations that exist in the world. But I do know this. There's not one situation that God is not present. He's with them. And they need to know that we're with them too. Uh, The heartache that families suffer. Even here in the States sometimes, I remember... A young man, Tommy in Uvalde, we converted. We converted Terry. And once he was, his family didn't want him to have anything to do with Christianity. And once we, when we baptized Terry and he went back home, they had every bit of his possessions out in the, uh, out in the front yard. So you don't live here anymore. You don't live here anymore. And by the way, I, I don't know, a couple of years back, I got a message from Terry who lives in San Antonio now who had just baptized his kid in the Christ. That made a, a generation difference. We may be called on to suffer for the Lord. If we do, as a church, we have to respond the way they responded. We keep preaching. We have confidence in God. We beseech him in prayer, but regardless if we're in jail or out, we got to keep preaching the good news of Jesus. We can't back off preaching about the name of Jesus. Because people need Jesus more than they need the next breath of fresh air. Can never lose that passion for lost people and the and the joy it is to see someone come to Christ. Regardless of hard times. I think sometimes because we've had it so comfortable in our country, it's been easy to forget how, how passionate we need to be and how bold we need to be for Christ. Now look, boldness does not equal rudeness. We get nowhere with a, a negative condemning spirit of people that somehow or another we're better off than they are. We're not better off than anybody. We're just trying to get, get, get them in on what we got in on, right? We have to be careful that somehow or another we don't come across as holier than thou. There's only one holy, the name of Jesus, right? 
And so we must approach people regardless of their situation with love, with gentleness, with concern, but never not preaching. Never not preaching the name of Jesus because they have to hear who he is. The name of Jesus makes all the difference in the world. Telling you about our brothers and sisters in Athens, we asked uh, Javad, one of our brothers there, who is uh, now preaching and teaching. Uh, we asked him to share uh, with us a little bit, uh, and uh, I, you know, it's a short video. I wish there was more time to really tell you about his life, but you know, Javad had to, he gave up his family. By the way, the neat story is there in Iran when he escapes to Athens and becomes a Christian. He meets his dad in another, the only other country they could meet in was, was Georgia. He meets him over there and converts and baptizes his dad in Georgia. It's the, only, it's the only country they both could get to. And he suffers. Those, the, the Islam group within the refugee camps, they persecute those that have become Christians. The Greeks, they're not crazy about it either. They're not wanting people to become Christians. So they kind of get it there in Athens. Uh, the the uh, the refugees get it from two different viewpoints. And yet, I can't tell you how many people are accepting the name of Jesus because of the work that you guys have helped support among those refugees. You might remember recently there was a big fire on one of the islands where all the refugees were, and it just devastated a lot of folks. And yet, yet sometimes tragedy opens a door. For God's people to love other folks. That's why we do relief ministry, by the way. To love folks and help them hear about the name of Jesus. Listen as Javad, uh, listen closely as a little accent. I know it's difficult. Listen to Javad as he shares his story. Hello, brother and sister. I'm Javad from Christ Love Persian Church in Athens, Greece. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, I want to share with you a little bit about my story. Actually, there's a story about God because God is changing the uh, life and He's changing the heart. And it's about Him, really. Uh, so, uh, when I was I'm from Iran uh, and as a former Muslim, uh, like other Muslims, start to reading Quran and learn about it, trying to obedient, obedience, and my fear, of course, so when I start uh, to reading, always I wanted like know him, I wanted understand him, but as, as starting more, I confused really. It was confusion, and did it make sense some of the things when I read the translation, all the things? Uh, it just made me tired, like it, it made me far from him, because uh, it just uh, didn't make sense actually. There was weird things in that book, and no peace. So finally I started one day, by fear asked many people and they didn't answer me. Uh, so I sometimes ask a question, people say, don't ask those questions. So no, that's a bad question, that's, you know, you don't need to ask questions. So there was no answer like to anything. Actually I uh, went out one day and I tried to look everywhere, nobody there. And by fear I asked, I said, uh, God, you know, I know you, uh, Somebody make everything. I know uh, this is like you create everything, and uh, I don't know this book, uh, Quran, is yours. This prophet, it really make me confused. Please, 
like I love you I, I want to stand you but I don't want you know this I don't know what to do so I asked him show me the truth I really like I said I don't know I'm tired of those all of those things and I want to know so I uh, after a little while, one day I was uh, in my home and I have a satellite TV watching the music. Um, so, uh, and one day uh, when I was sitting, I was eating, uh, the remote felt and accidentally went to the channel of testimony. So, and <laughs> Uh, praise God and start this testimony about the prayer uh, in the name of Jesus, which was uh, amazing. That's changed my uh, heart, changed my love that time, and really understanding. I said, "That's the Lord I was looking." Let's talk about Jesus is the life. J- Jesus' name has the power. He's the love. I never really knew that God Himself is the love, like Himself. It was a big deal to me. So, uh, start uh, to learn more, and little uh, after little while, I came to Athens, Greece, 2008. I got baptized here, and God called me and filled. Uh, and that's He's calling me to the ministry to serve Him in Athens, which uh, it's hard here. But uh, after those years, for many years, when I looking back and I see what Lord did, really those people that thousands of people who become a believer, who uh, the churches who made, the disciples who planned the churches in Iran and beyond in Europe and different country, and uh, praise God for his uh, work and his things because he is doing all the things. So as John, and uh, yes, it's not uh, easy, You uh, <laughs> suffering is not uh, okay, sometimes it's hard. Uh, I, I cannot go back to my country because of my faith. Uh, so, yes, sometimes you miss your family, your friends, small <laughs> things there. But Jesus is more than anything. Jesus is everything. As John and Peter as a suffering because of their faith, but really myself, in faith, my faith grow and God shaped my faith through suffering. Suffering become a blessing to me to understand the Lord more and serving Him more and passionate about Him. And my character grow to those uh, area, And I was praise God to that. Yes, it's not easy to be being disciple, but uh, that's the thing. So anyway, the, the Bible says, Acts 4, 12, that Jesus' name uh, is the only name that's saved. Jesus is the light. Not that light in, in this world. He said, I'm light of the world. Even He is the lamp of the heaven, and, and the, which will be filled by the glory of God. Thank you so much for your support, for your love, and thank you for your care. Thank you for hearing that, the God story really. God bless you all. You know, um, Javad is such a, such a great young man. And I think about the things that they've uh, gone through, him and some of his friends. You, you heard him say, suffering shaped my faith. I don't know if you got that or not. He said, suffering shaped my faith. Suffering does those kinds of things. Hard times do that for us. They help shape our faith. I think that's why the, Peter and those guys just praise God. Rejoice for the fact that they had the honor of... Uh, of suffering dishonor for the name of Jesus. 
You're going to see later on in the book of Acts several different situations where eventually it takes somebody's life because they preach Jesus. So my plea to you is, one, always remember in prayer the persecuted church. It still exists. It still happens. But also, we can't wait till persecution comes to prepare. Prepare yourself spiritually now boldness with strength with maturity from god's word and with encouragement from god's people to be strong if and when it happens to us because there's a good chance it could and make sure when you stand up you stand up for the right thing i know in our political situation you know it can be real easy to get zealous on the politics uh, political side of things and that's okay I love my country. I love being an American. I love the opportunities it's given me. But I want to make Jesus great in the the minds of people. Not my political views. They're not what people need. Well, I would love to out-argue people and get them on where I am. That's not my greatest need. Their greatest need and my greatest need is for them to understand who Jesus is. That will make all the difference in the world. Father in heaven, we love you. We're grateful for your word, for your church that you led on this unstoppable adventure and journey through the book of Acts. May we be encouraged by them. May we learn from them. And Father, may we gain boldness and strength from the brothers and sisters, not only that lived during that time, but that are who are living right now around the world in tough situations. I pray for the brothers and sisters that are suffering. I pray for the persecuted church. I pray, Father, for your name, the name of Jesus, to go into every country and in every language, and may we be used to help fulfill that which you want to accomplish in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. I pray. And the church said, we're a family. Sometimes family have problems. We have an invitation. And it's simply to say, as a forever family, nobody responds alone. We're in it together, right? If you have a need to, maybe maybe you want to become a Christian. If you have a need to be baptized into Christ, we can do that. If you have a need just for prayers to a difficult situation or a sickness, that's what our invitation is for too. We're family. We're forever family. If you have a need, you can come while we stand and sing.